Welcome to The Spill by Image.ie, hosted by me, Sophie White. And me, Rona McAuliffe. Every fortnight, we delve into the issues of the day, spill on our latest cultural obsessions, and talk to Irish women about what's on their minds. So settle in, grab a glass, and listen to The Spill. On this week's episode of The Spill, we are going deep on sex. We are joined by journalist and writer of the one-woman show, Why Won't You Have Sex With Me, Louise Bruton. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, We are also going to chat our latest book and podcast recommendations, as per usual. And I'm going to kick us off with what I've been reading on the internet this week. I've been reading about Mad Bastard, (laughs) Dan Mallory... And his um, epic, talented Mr. Rippling of the book world. I love this. Um, Okay, so you caught up with it as well. I think most of the world has caught up with, by now, the story of the man behind A.J. Finn, which is the thriller author of the mega hit, The Woman in the Window. Yeah. Um, So... Anyone who hasn't read this piece that uh, the New Yorker has just published, um, it is emo- it's under profiles and it's titled A Suspense Novelist's Trail of Deceptions, written by Ian Parker. And so Dan Mallory, who writes under the name A.J. Finn uh, and went, as we said, straight to number one with his debut thriller, um, is being profiled in depth in this long read. And his life is... Cliche alert, stranger than fiction. Uh, so, yeah, that is what I read on the internet this week. It looks like a lot of other people. If you haven't read it, we'll put it in the show notes, but it is really brilliant. Ahead of our sex chat, yes, um, we thought that we'd get a professional sort of sex sexpert <laughs> that I've just, I've just knighted her a sexpert <laughs> um, journalist slash playwright, writer Louise Bruton, who has been recruited (laughs) to like as kind of a dispatcher from the millennial trenches of trenches is a bad word there (laughs) Um, of millennial mores when it comes to sex and the new kind of landscape of romance um so welcome to the show Louise thank you (laughs) Louise is like was that an intro (laughs) (laughs) no pressure (laughs) um so what have you been reading there Rona tell us so this week I've been reading uh Aideen O'Connell's piece this is how tinder has changed and managed to ruin romance uh and that's on image.ie and basically Aideen's saying so Aideen's probably early 20s Um, And she's talking, you know, when they were in college, Tinder was more of a kind of, um, it was an app where you'd hook up, you'd kind of, you'd have a bit of banter, you kind of match with them, have a bit of banter, and you'd agonize with your friends over whether or not to meet them, where to meet them, what to do. It was a kind of long process, whereas now it's become instant. It's like kind of, I'm in X, I'm in like kind of Shanahan's around the corner, like are you up for a shag basically. Mm. Very efficient, impressively so. Yeah, so, but what she's saying is, she misses you know, is, is kind of, you know, have the apps basically killed any sense of romance. And, and anticipation. anticipation. And that kind of, you know, delayed gratification. Um, and is just like a kind of shagging app now. Um, and, you know, she talks about, the, you know, the good old days of courting and... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, from, as in the 50s. I get freaked out when 20-year-olds talk about the good old days because I'm like, oh my God, like if you're talking about the good old days, like what She just I touched have? on that and basically said, you know, is that, it was that a kind of better place? But, you know, what she understands by the end of the piece or the conclusion that she comes to is, um, you know, that she's going to delete the app or she's thinking about deleting the app and actually meeting in person mm. is so much more... Good luck to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. in fairness to Aideen, like, she is highlighting that thing that the kind of younger generation, like, there's been kind of a, you know, groundswell of sort of moving yeah. back to a more, like, analogue kind of... Exactly. ...interaction Switching with life. And, yeah, yeah, and... Like, I always think their generation is just going to kind of be laughing at us eventually yeah. because we are like the kind of toddlers who had the toy and we didn't know how to work the toy and well, we've we made all the mistakes with, with the toy. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's I think true. It's There's both a, sides to it. It's such a scary prospect of um, having just this world of hookups available for you when you're in college. Yeah. Because you're kind of you're kind of ready for it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like when you like I remember going out when I was like in my early twenties and the whole thing is like going out was a chance for hooking up. Whereas now yeah. I'm like, I just want to see my friends and I want to catch up. But like back then you're kinda of like, okay, I'm three pints in, I'm gonna scour the floor. <laughs> um yeah. and then if that element like none of it was glamorous. Like <laughs> there's yeah. no even without the apps, I don't think there was any romance back in hooking up in your early twenties. Like romance is the irregular part of yeah of it all yeah so like if you're mm. going out looking for romance like that's like looking for you know well not I think it's it's gold, more, dust. Yeah. gold <laughs> dust I think it's more or maybe, what romance looks like it's so yeah. individual what as well what is romance yeah I think it's more just not being kind of served 15 dick pics and mm. just being like okay well actually meeting and, and having a conversation with an actual person but I know that's also gold dust yeah. <laughs> so how, like how have you found it well, I stopped using Tinder a while ago because I found that the men just don't really interact on it. Um, and I switched over to Bumble and I found that more, um, oh. there was a, a bit more interaction there. Yeah. So Bumble is where the woman has to initiate the conversation and then there's like a 24 hour timer yeah. so that the guy has to respond within that. And then once he responds, then you're like free to message back and forth. Um, but like, I am honestly just too cynical for apps because um, I by default don't really like people <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, so I will find so many things wrong with a person just from their profile um, as I would even in the pub like if someone starts talking to me like <laughs> it's deeper psychological issues here at work <laughs> but if someone starts talking to me in the pub I am so guarded I'm so like go away uh, what's yeah. your what's your agenda and mm. then on the apps I just seem to think that it's even worse it's like so what's your deal you must hate women well no I wouldn't say that <laughs> yeah. um, but I, yeah no I'm very very cagey just in in general and yeah. so like apps really don't <laughs> they don't amplify my best side so what uh, works then what um, kind of converts wait I really want to know what are the kind of red flags that you're like like what on a profile like if the guy is what like um, pictured okay. on his J1 in San Diego <laughs> yeah there's an element of that or neck I, and a I burrito kind of, someone said to me before that um, straight dudes, their dating profiles, it's as if they're looking for a fellow straight dude best friend. Um, <laughs> because there's like pictures of them kind of like looking a little bit like Larry out with the lads. And then there's pictures of them, you know, maybe playing sport. And then they'll say in their profile stuff like, yeah, I love Liverpool, uh, <laughs> love Scarface. <laughs> oh my God, just a picture of them with like a framed picture of Al Pacino hanging on the wall behind. Okay, sorry, no joke. The first time I ever went to my boyfriend, uh, my husband's place, 
He had a framed picture of Al Pacino <laughs> on the wall. As did like he had literally all the red flags. of the male population. <laughs> he had like a Jimmy um, <laughs> Hendrix poster above the sink. Because they were like sold in the college Lee. poster sales. I know, but the fact that he framed Al Pacino. It's amazing That's, that that is incredible. Right. I assume it's yeah. still hanging in your house. Is I it? wish over the mantle. <laughs> I wish I banished the like marijuana leaf tapestry wall hanging that he had as well. Okay, yeah, Scarface. My God, yeah, red flag. <laughs> yeah, I I just feel like like I'd love to give some like lessons to men on dating profiles and how to actually just portray themselves in a way that is kind of appealing because a lot of the time, um, and this is bad because you know they might be. You know, they might be like good looking guys, but then they just are really bad at taking photos of themselves or don't know what a good photo is of themselves. Yeah. So a lot of the time when they're taking a selfie, it's actually just them like slouched on the on the couch with their hoodie on. You know, they're not they're not um, they're presumably not. the hand that's not in shot is down their pants. <laughs> they're not exactly like working their best angles, but like, you know, it's kind of like the thing of like, oh, this will do. Yeah. And you're kind of like, no, this is you trying to get the attention of someone out of. You know, thousands more, yeah. of people swiping by your profile. Um, so there's like a lack of effort, I feel, on like guys' profiles. Um, if someone doesn't have any bio description, I'm like, no. Yeah. I think that's a real A lot of people flag. say that, actually. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That just like screams serial killer to me for like a really irrational reason. I'm like, OK, if you're not even willing to say, um, I just enjoy a laugh. <laughs> Which I also <laughs> yeah. think is like the worst. It's just like, I just like want uh, a laugh, um, want uh, I'm a foodie. And you're kind of like, that's just Ugh. what you have. Like breathing. Do you enjoy breathing? Is that what <laughs> else you enjoy? Uh, but what is that saying? Is that saying that they're they're just on it for a shag or they're just not confident enough to actually commit to it and kind of project themselves? Um, it's probably like a little bit of both. Like it's, there's probably thinking of I don't actually want to be here. Yeah. Or I'm really annoyed. I actually have to set up a profile to meet other people. So it's that kind of thing. Of like, well, if I don't put in a huge amount of effort, then it proves that I, I don't really care. Yeah. So it, like, you know, there could be I'm probably looking way too much into it. It's certainly not like a protection <laughs> thing that they're doing um, to ward off terrible people. Um, but yeah, I, I'd kind of go they're the things like and if they're really into sport I'm not into sport I like yeah. I couldn't couldn't be with someone who's who has to go to all the six nations or, or has to watch ma- all the matches yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. no it's not a not I'm a world I'm so thankful that my husband has nothing to do with sport and I'm so thankful mine does because that's brilliant like away with you there yeah. He's gone for six and a half hours. Golf takes 19 years to play around. It's brilliant. I love it. It's keeping our marriage going. There's those guys who are I'm allergic to as well, where they're kind of like just looking for intelligent conversations with girls who don't take selfies. And you're like, oh, my oh, God. Thanks yeah. for damning women. Great to try reel the women in by hating on them. Yeah. So there's a big thing. Like I went through a phase where I was screen grabbing all these profiles of guys who were using things that they hated about women in their profile. And I was like, God love the women who who do fall for that like it's them slagging their appearances or slagging their interests or mm. um, just yeah. slagging things that are traditionally feminine and yeah. that really bothered me I was like that's you know it's like negging to the next level yeah. um, that but that's a kind of it, that's a very Irish thing as well isn't it where you're kind of slagging to kind of to I don't know to bond with someone or to like it's always misplaced mm. but it's your slagging to endear them endear to themselves to you yeah exactly um i definitely find that actually having having moved back from london and we moved back from london with kids and 
the, the second the kids went into an Irish school, it was like my daughter was getting slagged about her glasses. Like, it's just, it's a different vibe. Yeah, it's a it's kind of Irish yes. social hazing. Yeah. yeah and I exactly. can imagine it would be really hard if you moved back belatedly. You'd be like, but these people relate to each other so weirdly. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's it's a, I don't know, it's just a different way of, of connecting. But I yeah. completely understand it's also socially inept <laughs> yeah it kind of like there's a lot of the male population have a huge problem with women who draw on their eyebrows and that's like so evident in their okay. profile pics uh, or in their bios um yeah so it's like duck poses eyebrows um if they wear too much makeup and these are all the things that they're looking for and it's like oh okay but like who do you actually want to swipe in because like this guy like a lot of the people they're kind of you know they're they're the guys who have those couch photos where they're like yeah. all smushed up um so it's like you know you can't be like calling out someone's appearance in that so way when you're like oh, yeah. making no effort yourself yeah. so it's it's very um, oh, it's unbelievably condescending so oh, what yeah. so and do you get dick pics obviously I'm no of, oh do you not no I've never in my life gotten a dick pic wow am I missing I out I think the prevalence of dick pics is overstated <laughs> I think Listener, so too get in touch and tell us <laughs> but I honestly I just want to say this because I've never received one either yeah. no no never received an unsolicited dick pic in my life via wow. the means of a dating okay. app yeah so um, I do wonder how like just how, how it's, it's something it that people talk about yeah mm-hmm. and I was like but is it is it actually as common as as like the greater media is making us think it is? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's it's possibly a bit like frigging in secondary school. Like everyone's frigging, <laughs> <laughs> definitely getting frigged at all times. But like maybe it's just kind of like caught on, and that people are just kind of yeah. like, I definitely, I'd say I said it before it ever happened to me as well. I was like, yeah, I'm being frigged right now. Yeah. <laughs> It's deadly. <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, it's so innocent. But then um, a lot has been made now of like the kind of millennial appetite for sex having kind of like decreased mm. compared to previous generations. Mm. And I mean, a lot of, I think a lot of this comes from the kind of Gen Xers and baby boomers just kind of wanting to hate on millennials. Yeah. I, in any way they damn well how can. How are they measuring how much sex people are having? I know. Like, I mean, it's self-reported. Like, there's no clicker. There's no, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's yeah. no like bouncer <laughs> clicking people as they enter the bedroom. It's literally just... Unfortunately, some yeah. like kind of raging Gen Xer who's just kind of like they, they just love avocados more than sex. They're pathetic. But I like I was looking at this hilariously. I mean, it's a hilarious Daily Mail article uh, written by this mother who's like basically like wild in her day, you know, like probably got off with somebody, uh, you know, from, I don't know, the Stone Roses in the 90s or something. And she's kind of complaining about how her children despise drink and smoking and excess cleavage and like why are millennials kind of like bizarrely kind of retrograde around Mm. these kind of issues and stuff. Yeah. Like, do we think, like I'm on the cusp of millennial and I want that. I am still technically millennial. You're firmly. Am I? I think you are. Born 87, does that? Yeah, Googled it extensively. (laughs) 82, 82, I think is the start. Okay, from 82 up, you're millennial. And you are not. Sorry, Saza. I'm an Xer. You're you're the one (laughs) just tearing down. (laughs) Why do you got to tear women down, Sophie? (laughs) You've ruined the world. (laughs) How does that feel? How does that feel? Yeah. yeah. Did you enjoy your your 100% Did you enjoy the high life? (laughs) Sucked it all up. Um, So... Um, God, where was I going? Oh yeah, do we actually think that millennials are having less sex? Well, like what like, I'm basically saying is who's the most, if you'll pardon the wording, hard up here? 
around this table. I okay, sorry. Let's <laughs> answer that first. <laughs> no, honestly, it's that whole kind of like measure of sex. No, I would say no. I'm not like thriving in any way, but that's not like my choice. <laughs> I yeah. just because I hate people. So. <laughs> anyway, once hopefully we're moving that. beyond that in yeah, future. I just think like, if everyone else improved, then when maybe. sex can go digital, we're all there. <laughs> I'm perfect, but everyone else is at fault. <laughs> so what? Like what? Are you just like you're kind of. I suppose similar to me like it, uh, it would take me a lot to meet someone who I actually fancied and liked and is that the case like you're just yeah, quite kind I'm of discerning in terms of incredibly cynical like I, yeah. I, I do genuinely feel like everyone has an agenda but also I do feel um, just from my own personal life I feel that um Dudes get away with a lot less effort and they're kind of like praised for the bare minimal yeah. um, mm. and that really drives me nuts because when I look at like my friends so many incredible friends uh, men and women straight and gay and the amount of single straight women in my friend group is nuts hmm. yeah. um, and they're incredible like they're they're beautiful they're kind they're so funny um, they're like so smart uh, and just really nice and mm. the conversation is kind of like what's wrong with me yeah and yeah. But then do you, do you know the way there's always like the guy who's going out with one of your friends and you're kind of like, everyone has to kind of like roll their eyes before he arrives. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. another one. Here he comes. Um, just, I know. Yeah, just bite your tongue. Just all these yeah. men, like, <laughs> this is a tangent, but <laughs> connected. Gary Ridgway, aka the Green River Killer, who is, uh, in terms of figures, <laughs> I was like, he is the most, Gary Ridgway. he's the most prolific, ugh, is that the word? Serial killer in American history, mm. and he was married. Like, sorry, Charles Manson um, had uh, th- like. Well, obviously, he'd line in, he women kind of lining women lining up to him But when he was yeah. in prison as well, like he was um, had proposals. I did he get married? I think he got married. He, when got, he, was in he did get married in prison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. So like, that's the, just throwing your point out to the kind of the kind of grandest it could be. But yeah, yeah. and in terms of, you don't even have to like not murder people as a man and you can still get married. You can be in prison and there's people seeking Good you point. out from around the world, you know, yeah. via letter. Oh, like not even to have not a even penis. phone call or not even private time. Like that's how But what like what is it? Are men just kind of shagging around and, and I like, don't are even they think just, I don't even think men are shagging around as often. So are there, are there loads of single men as well then? Yeah. I yeah. think so yeah maybe we're all maybe we all just need a good hug because <laughs> <laughs> I think so apparently so Gen Zers who are the kind of next generation down mm. obviously mm-hmm. um, apparently they're having way less sex and they're waiting but they're longer. like 10 yeah. <laughs> so that's <laughs> it they've they got only recently been sexually activated <laughs> they've had they're less actually time. 14 um, <laughs> no they're not no it's up to oh I have it here somewhere but Gen Zers are um, I think it's like up to maybe 25 okay 25 26 maybe at the moment mm. so teenagers basically so mm. where we would have been or like our generation would have been sexually active on average about kind of 17 mm. 18 around that time they're waiting much longer um, and kind of part of what they're saying is obviously they don't have the opportunity to meet people they're on apps they're serious about there's a lot more pressure from their parents all that kind of stuff or maybe they're being watched by their parents way more than we were that's mm. exactly it yeah, yeah. yeah like they definitely point. are um, like I watched that movie Searching have you saw that have you no. seen that um, it's it's brilliant um, it's a story of this um, teenage girl who goes missing and her father single father the, the mother died um, he in his attempt to find her it's all filmed through the screen of his laptop so it's him going through like her internet search history him being able to kind of access her iMessages 
uh, being oh, able to like log into okay. her email and her bank account and all that kind of thing. Like that's, yeah. you know, so, uh, you know, good that he was <laughs> finding his missing daughter. But that's yeah. just how easy it is it's for like parents. It's like the black mirror kind of microchip. It's kind of like that thing like, yeah. of mm. where um, probably if if they are like, I, I don't really believe in the measure of sex of like generations having more or less. Mm. Um because I, I don't think you can measure, I think it's different. It's like, you know, they might be having less, but maybe it's better. Maybe it's uh, more consensual, maybe yeah. it's better quality. Do you know, all those kind of things that weren't, that are not being included in the figures. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with the generations, so baby boomers, sorry, <laughs> Rona, um, maybe <laughs> yeah. they're- She's clinging to Gen X. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, maybe the parents in that generation have been so watchful because yeah. they can be watchful from like maybe they're the generation that first had like nanny cams mm, um, yeah. and then you know there's like other th- I don't know what else do you have in the house to, to keep your children in they're check. also the yeah. generation that have witnessed a lot of public shaming of people for their sexuality and stuff in yeah. on like kind of a mass scale because mm. if you think about it kind of revenge porn mm. has kind of you know was burgeoning as their sexual awakening was occurring mm. so they were already seeing this kind of real time like unquote unquote punishment for kind of expressing themselves things like um, I remember the story of the uh, was it the slain girl look it basically it was that that thing I remember watching that that story unfold and being like that could have been like me or any one of my friends in a way because and it's just because someone had a camera phone yeah it's just it's a it's a teenage blunder which we all have like and thankfully we're like pre even I think like pre bone practically and Mm. there is no camera phones Mm. to you know yeah, have like exploited that person in a really vulnerable moment and stuff. Yeah, because camera phones only really kind of started kicking in around 2004. Yeah. And then they had to, so when you take, I think it's kind of stopped now, but when you take a photo, when you did take a photo on a camera phone back then, it had to make the, the noise of a camera. Mm. So that just yeah. in case someone was like taking a photo of you in a bathroom stall. Yeah. And like, know. So yeah, yeah, so that kind of like birthed a whole new kind of era of perversion and yeah. and which led to like a new kind of type of shaming as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is like terrifying. Like, I don't think if my phone's on silent now, I don't think it makes a noise. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, it doesn't at all. Mm. But in terms of stats, yeah. um, and I know there isn't someone with a clicker, but there is, you know, there are kind of confirmed stats that um, as of 2015, 43% of Japanese people between the age of 18 and 34 are virgins, for example. Mm. We've covered that before and kind of talked mm. about like that whole thing. And then that 47% um, said it had been more than, a, 47% of married couples said it had been more than a month since they'd had sex. So Japan is obviously extreme in their kind of screen dependency and- Culturally just very like, different yeah, as well. Culturally very different. It's a country that's quite designed for the individual to live as an individual unit. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, you know, they like, if there's, um, I've been watching a Japanese reality show called Terrace House and it's kind of amazing in that way where they're quite, um, they talk so different about relationships than we do. Yeah. Um, And it's just more, they would take that kind of dating approach that we, that 1950s dating approach where it's kind of like you have to, you know, kissing doesn't happen until, well, it just in this Terrace House show that I've been watching, (laughs) kissing doesn't happen really until you're officially boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, Okay. You know. So there's no casual hookups. No, and there not was really. one girl who did have a casual hookup in it, and everyone's just like, "Oh, does she know that? Yeah, he doesn't love her." Cool. So that was yeah. a discussion, and all the rest where it's not like 
you go girl it was kind of like oh does she know that this guy doesn't love her yeah um which is a, a kind of i think a, a, quite different to the conversation that we'd have it'd be like woo swinging from the rafters if like <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like yeah, yeah well done you got some <laughs> so, um yeah it's very different in the states so if we take into this is my last stat i promise but in the states well, i'm enjoying the stat 60 percent of under 35s are living without a spice or partner so there is that kind of like there definitely seems to be a kind of trend towards certainly if it's not maybe it doesn't imply kind of less sex but it definitely implies kind of less coupling up yeah so and i think of my daughter who's say 12 and she's about to go to, in september she starts secondary school and her friends who are kind of 13 or who kind of win the year previously are all going to discos now and the the whole vibe at a disco now is taps so you get a tap on your shoulder so you're all kind of standing with your groups of girls or whatever groups of guys and you get a tap and if you get a tap you turn around and you like the guy then you kiss him and if you don't like him then you just kind of ignore the tap mm. or say no thanks or whatever I don't know how polite they are <laughs> um, and then it just circulates so they're kind of snogging 11, 12, 13 boys in a night and that's kind of standard you just kind of work through the volume and I don't think <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like what's and what's the problem and there's no oh, that's what, <laughs> I no, but I was just going to say like to no end like there's no there's no focus on connection do you know uh, what I mean so it's like uh, I did that when I was a teenager going to um, teen discos you just you beat the slapper was a game yeah. that we used to play at <laughs> yeah. parties when I was a teenager oh and it wasn't about Jesus. it was actually just about it a number it, it wasn't about game. connection it wasn't about romance it wasn't trying to find the one. Oh yeah we'd all be like Laura's at 35 yeah. <laughs> are you like serious it was high numbers yeah, yeah. hilarious I don't know whether I remember, yeah. I'm glad yeah. that you're nodding yeah no that was certainly a thing when I was in secondary school beat yeah. slapper was a big big game yeah excellent um yeah, and but, you know, like, because I, 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 I remember that there is kind of like a weird conversation I think about like much younger people and kind of how they go on, and you know if they're being, you know, if they're being too active or if they're not being active. But I remember when people talked about teenagers when I was a teenager, and you know there there was all of these kind of rumors about like the I used to go to Wesley the teen disco, and there would have been like all these rumors about the things that uh, all the girls and boys were getting up to. Yeah, and you'd hear about it, and the way that the that the media talked about it, you'd swear every single person was going out with their knickers off, but you oh, maybe one person did it. Yeah, yeah, you knew who that person was as well, and you're kind of like, oh, that's you know whatever of course um, yeah and I don't want to I just know that that's fact mm. and that, that kind of surprised me from a, a, I just it felt so transactional mm. and apparently then it is progressing kind of mid-teens to like the, because they're all kind of learning like the, because we don't have any proper sex ed like really proper um, in-depth sex ed they're mm. then progressing to like just kind of these like transactional mm. sexual exchanges and the tap is now, not unlike the swipe as a kind of it's not movement. unlike the swipe it's like just, we it'll, just had will you meet me mate back yeah, then. yeah yeah which is at least there's a bit of conversation. <laughs> I don't know. There's, I, I, anyway, I don't know. And then there's, and so pregnancies are way, teen pregnancies are way, way down. They're like 60% down or something. It's like an anomaly now for a teen pregnancy. But STIs are like crazy up. So I think STIs are on the rise yeah. for everyone Yeah, at the moment. I think, um, yeah, I think there was like, it's like one of the highest. Oh God, I saw, I think I saw some stuff recently where it's like HIV in Dublin is like the highest that's ever been. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, you know, there is, and that's kind of, I don't know what age group that applies to. And that's quite okay, terrifying. Oh. So maybe it's kind of, there is that overlap of kind of people being more kind of like liberal in their thinking towards sex and then sex being more readily available. 
but maybe the old style of sex ed is really failing us now. Yeah. Mm. Like sex well, ed has improved yeah. loads apparently. Mm. I don't know, I'm not in school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's even um, that yeah, they're more liberal. Is, um. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it's more liberal. I just think that they're, they're, they're getting their sex ed from Pornhub or from any of the kind of main mass free porn sites. So it's, 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 it's that kind of transactional. It's not about pleasure or connection in my eyes I don't know like maybe I'm kind of you know um, being and a granny about it <laughs> but like it just feels like it's not a it's like, and then there's the, the kind of the you know obviously we're, we're are we heading towards kind of non-monogamous non-connection relationships is that why people aren't kind of settling down because they're having kind of multiple partners well, we're and, also dealing with adults now who so there's yeah I can only speak to adults I suppose were you speaking now about adults who, so like with divorce, the first divorce in Ireland was 1997? Yeah. Mm. So, Crazy. you know, this is the generation now whose parents would have been divorcing when they were kids. Yeah. So they're dealing with the, the kind yeah. of aftermath so, of that. Yeah. And we've maybe kind of looked around and monogamy doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is the traditional structure that's kind of like expected of people. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think le- less and less, certainly of like zeers or that's yeah. not necessarily and there's less pressure to settle down early like you know they're, they're getting people who get married before they're 30 everyone's like oh that's very young now yeah whereas mm. it would have been you know 21 and you know 18 in some yeah. places yeah um and people can have children later as well women can have jobs which is crazy <laughs> um you know there's just all of these things where the you can't apply old traditional structures today today because but there's so many more options and um so many other ways of living your life absolutely don't affect anybody else <laughs> but mm. then media wise it's still being reflected in movies like Fault in Our Stars or the Twilight series or whatever mm. else where you're still focused on the one like mm. the one is still kind of um, it wasn't Twilight written as a um a chastity no what's the word uh, abstinence Oh, was, was it? like was to promote abstinence. No way. Because um, vampire and non-vampire, I can't remember the names, <laughs> Edward, Edward and Bella, um, they had to get married before they could have uh, sex because she would die otherwise. <laughs> because the power of vampire okay. sex would have been too strong for her as yeah. a mere female. Oh, mortal. hilarious. That's like actually the story. Yeah, yeah. I really need but, some vampire sex in my life. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, no, you'll I'm die. Just, You're immortal. You'll die. Yeah. I suppose I, I, I totally agree that it is changing the landscape is changing and it'd be interesting to see if we are kind of still driven towards kind of one connection or even multiple single connections through our lives or if we're just a kind of if we're like more independent entities where we just kind of have multiple relationships at a time you kind of just like drop in and out of yeah basically this is kind of rona's I don't know you're kind of building up to kind of coming out as a polyamorous <laughs> <laughs> she's been laying the groundwork exactly, over yes. several my episodes my name is Rona McAuliffe and <laughs> <laughs> um, but you wrote a show with a brilliant uh, title called Why Won't You Have Sex With Me mm. which when I first read the title mm-hmm. I was like that yeah I mean that's pretty much been my thoughts as well since um, you know I don't know since I saw David Duchovny in the X-Files. He was your awakening, was he? Oh yeah, completely. (laughs) And um, I suppose like you were bringing like a kind of a new sort of angle to the kind of 
sex conversation and stuff and I've seen you write as well that like kind of when you're promoting the show and stuff and like you'd be kind of hauled out as a sort of a, a talking head for kind of sex just as we're doing to you right now basically <laughs> and um, how like you were there going like what if I'm in a fallow period right at that moment and like I was like that is like a conundrum isn't it <laughs> like but um, how did you kind of have the idea for the show and like well the show was um the show was kind of it was intentionally it was initially meant to be uh, an article that I was going to write for um for a paper and because I was getting so many emails from different journalists asking me how I felt about uh, the stigma around disabled people and sex mm-hmm. and how disabled people weren't having sex and I had never ever written about sex before um, I you know wasn't wasn't a nodding head about sex ever before <laughs> in my career, and I kind of felt that journalists were taking a very voyeuristic look at disabled people and asking me simply because I was disabled, mm. not because I'd ever kind of written a piece about romance or dating or anything like that. Wow! Mm. So that was really annoying for me because I had never thought about that before, mm. but then suddenly I had this non-able, non-disabled perspective thrown upon me that because I am disabled, that must mean I'm not having sex. Yeah. And I felt that that was really reductive. Mm. Um, I was, it was really insulting as well. Um, and I emailed every journalist back. I was just like, why would you assume that? Like, that's, um, mm. you know, maybe rephrase mm. your email a little bit. Um, like, the stigma. Stigma is a funny word. Like, the stigma around disabled people having sex. Like, that's quite, that's loaded. Mm. Um, yeah. And if somebody else has plated that up and handed it to you, I mean, mm. yeah, that's a weird... Yeah thing to engage with when you yourself are you know presumably enjoying your sex life and yeah like mine like unaware that your sex life is an issue you know or yeah and then that kind of fed into my head a little bit and I was like I got I certainly got about like three emails I think in the space of about like six months and I was like this is a thing it's kind of a trend Mm. because I remember it was like an uh, an article in the Guardian um so then when the Guardian writes it then publications in Ireland are kind of like oh let's look into that so it's kind of a knock on effect so one one place does it and someone does the response piece and then someone does the whatever and I think you referred to that actually as kind of like it wasn't like an evergreen piece that could kind of then hold out kind of and a year after year almost Yeah, people will forget well. it like, and then it's like, oh, oh we must check in, return, on, check in on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. disabled people up to now, those crazy kids. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I got really annoyed about that because I'd never viewed myself in that way before and it definitely kind of fed into my psychological build because mm. then I kind of realised, oh, are, are men actually looking at me differently? Um, is this actually an issue that I never really addressed before? Yeah. So, yeah, that, that messed up in my head. And then I was like, God, if... So then I decided to investigate it. Um, I was meant to write the newspaper article, but then I realised that kind of like my 1800 word count just wasn't going to cover it. <laughs> hmm. And then I realised that the word count might then make my piece then reductive yeah. about kind of looking at disability and relationships and that. Mm. Um, so then I was going to do a radio doc, but then I realised that there could be like a level of censorship there depending on who I would sell the piece to um, so then I was like fringe perfect <laughs> they, they love all this cookie stuff um, so I wrote the play and it was just investigating my goal of the play was to write about sex and disability but for the person in the audience to know know more about my own personal sex life or my own disability because they're two things that are nobody's business yeah mm. um, but the tone I got from the journalist was that they wanted to know this even though it was something I never offered like it's not I have written about my disability in a kind of constructive way mm. but there's no you shouldn't use my disability to pry yeah and that's kind of what I that was the main 
um goal of the of the show like you don't you don't learn about my sex life um it's just the conversation around disability and then i presented the different arguments that would maybe suggest that disabled people have it tougher when it comes to kind of hooking up or finding someone mm. and that comes to actual physical access to like pubs um the smoking clubs. area yeah, yeah. All, the all the people where people kind of traditionally the huge meet. cock block yeah, yeah. yeah. The stairs <laughs> is my biggest cock block yeah, <laughs> absolutely. yeah. um and then it's kind of like there's a bit in the show where i described and kind of what I was saying to you guys earlier when you were lifting me up the stairs. Um, <laughs> when I say get a taxi or if I'm being lifted upstairs, um, guys kind of get this idea that they need to help me. Um, yeah. And they can be kind of like a little bit overboard with it. And when I see that happen, like where, they, where they're where they not really believing my own independence, mm. when I see that happening, I'm kind of like, oh, no, couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Um, and that could happen. And this could be guys that you're, these are guys that you're seeing as opposed mm. to, yeah, yeah mates exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like mates, you can kind of be like, stop that. Like, cause yeah. you, can, you can develop the, you know, you can learn from each other. Yeah. But if it's someone, if you have to explain why your independence is important to someone who you're planning on sleeping with, why are you sleeping with them? Mm. Yeah. So that's, yeah. They're, they're the kind of like conversations, are these the conversations in my head? Do you, I've had. And do you balance that with kind of educating them as well? Yeah, but it shouldn't be yeah. my role to educate. Yeah. Like, you know, if you just want, like if you just want a very kind of casual hookup. Okay, so these are yeah, like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Then those <laughs> okay, sorry, these are casual those hookups. Yeah. Brian has stats for every occasion. <laughs> Let me just. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there is, but because those conversations kind of do have to happen. And if you kind of really want like just like a throwaway thing, you're kind of like, oh, well, that ruins that. So it okay. does remove, it does lower your kind of like casual hookups. Yeah. Because serious conversations have to happen. And, you know, this is. And I, I, I wouldn't think I'm kind of speaking out of turn here, but people who live with a disability all their life, they've had enough serious conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't want someone just kind of like, so tell me about you. You're like, oh, yeah. no, I want to I want to like talk about everything, everything else. Yeah, I except like except my medical history. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. no fun. Yeah. Um, you so, were saying that happens in, in like when you go out. Oh, yeah. Regularly that you're cornered by people who are kind of telling you about like relations kind of accidents. There there is a thing where um, because kind of disabled people's stories aren't necessarily mainstreamed enough or maybe not kind of like talked about enough. If someone sees me, a woman in a wheelchair out, they will kind of click and be like, oh, my God, my father's in a wheelchair or oh, my God, my cousin was in an accident or oh I, my one of my friends uh, is going through uh, kind of rehabilitation mm. they'll come over to me and then kind of go through that offload I, all these stories yeah, yeah I'm just I'm I'm kind of like a focal point for them and they want to unload yeah and that that is something that I do get on kind of nights out as well so that's kind of exhausting as well so yeah. th- this, you know, this builds up Jesus. my hatred of people if I see someone walking <laughs> if I see someone walking towards me I'm like oh god what are they going to what are they going to tell me what are they going to ask me what are they going to presume about me what are they going to project on me yeah. Um, so yeah I've like I've kind of quite a, got like a very short time limit with strangers <laughs> for that reason because I have been kind of like physically cornered so often in my yeah. life um, so bizarre it is, but it's um, 
you know, hopefully that that is changing a bit. Mm-hmm. Like there, it's also when people are drunk, obviously. Or is it yeah. just so like, it's no like a really kind of inhibition attempt at connecting Connection. on some level? Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, it's still obviously. I suppose it's just one of those things that says so much more about that person than anything. So yeah, or like it's it's like the no word Tinder bio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Whereas you were saying like being patted on the head as well. It's just like a yeah, like I I do. I'm probably like a little bit on guard because there is that sort of there is a patronizing element. That that um, non-disabled people would have to disable people. Mm. So a lot of the time, I don't want to have to prove my worth. Mm. Like I don't want to like patting uh, patting someone on the head. Like that's what you do to like a sheepdog. Yeah. You know, mm. and I don't want to. Well, you know, sheepdogs are very smart, but I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have to prove that I'm smarter than a sheepdog or mm. that you know I work. No, I don't work as hard as a sheepdog. Uh, so maybe, maybe they're right. Um, no, but there there is a thing of like I don't want to have to prove that I'm because I have a disability, I don't need to like overprove that I'm capable of doing almost everything yeah. that a non-disabled person is, is doing. Mm. Yeah. Um. So like, I don't want to have to like list out my rights of like, well, actually, you know, I work like seven days a week and you know, I earn yeah. this much last month. Like it's all mm. very. Um, so when you're on, like you're saying you're on Bumble now yeah. and you kind of talked a little bit about it in your show, but it didn't kind of, um, you know, talk about what you normally do. But uh, do you, would you kind of say that you're a wheelchair user or whatever before you meet a match or would you um, well I've got my, my photos I've made just a conscious effort to make my photos very obvious that I am a wheelchair user yeah so that I don't have to address it because I used to have a plenty of fish profile which is where you have to like give way more information about yourself yeah and go into details <laughs> and then my, <laughs> my hatred of people like really came through as well because like I, like in a way like I'm really not ours <laughs> um, and then all of these like profiles are kind of like so uh, what what do you believe your one looks like? And you're like, oh, like, you know, substantial, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, Girth. Vampire. Yeah. Um, so I did have on my Plenty of Fish profile, like I don't have the profile anymore because uh, there's a, it's just a different caliber of human that uses those profiles. Mm. Um, but I did say in my profile, I was like, I am a wheelchair user, but don't make that the first question you ask about me. Yeah. Um, but then the responses then were people like, oh, so what what happened? Like oh just my God. people just, just just emitting sympathy before you know we'd even gotten the hey how are you like yeah. so like I, I shouldn't have to have that like that's the kind of thing that that's the the decision you have it's to make when you are yeah. going on kind of um, dating sites or dating apps when you've a physical disability mm. people are going to ask you your life story and you don't necessarily want to deliver it on top. Mm. Um, because you've so yeah. many other things to offer in the world like you know what if you're what if you're like really darkly funny or what if like you're um, what if you don't just describe myself what if you're, really, what if you're like really cynical what if you're an amazing yeah. amazing yeah. amazing human being committed boys and fans yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the death um, so yeah it, it's an unfair challenge that people with physical disabilities have to go through because non-disabled people haven't been educated in their lives enough to know how to carry out a conversation with a disabled person absolutely and also that kind of like really weird assumption that like like a disabled person is kind of purer because of what they've experienced and endured yeah and like that's a kind of a weird thing that people have kind of just like digested growing up and things like that because I remember one of the people you interviewed for your show saying that they thought they just kind of weren't like a good enough person to kind of take take yeah. on 
I'm using air quotes that you can't see <laughs> because of the podcast, but take on a disabled person. I was like, oh my God, like just millions of levels to that are so yeah, bizarre. Exactly. And like, what if the disabled person is disabled because of something really vicious that they did to somebody else? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, around, go around town certain fights, yeah. Um, but you know, there is it that is kind of strange conception, a misconception of like, yeah. I, yeah, I think maybe um, disabled people are sometimes kind of infantilized yeah. um, mm. in a way where it might, someone from the outside might think, you know, that they don't have a lot of kind of life experience outside of some sort of institutional care. Yeah. And that's yeah. very archaic thought as well. Um, kind of they might view our life experiences as kind of like um kind of like more narrow than the than theirs mm. but like they're just proving themselves that their life experiences are incredibly narrow yeah. it's like the people i remember speaking to someone before in their 60s who told me that they'd never met a wheelchair user until they met me and i was like that's oh my god that's that, that's insane that yeah. you've lived a life um so protected so protected yeah so yeah. it it does so what they're projecting onto us is actually the life that they're leading themselves. Like it's very sheltered, narrow-minded thinking. Mm. Um, and the fact I just, like I've often kind of compared, like when people ask me kind of like, why are you in a wheelchair? Um, a woman did to me in the supermarket the other day actually. Are you before, serious? Before, before, <laughs> wow. before going Before going on to defend Liam Neeson, it was a really weird conversation. <gasps> Amazing. Yeah. I was like, ah. oh my God. Give uh, me the confidence of that woman. She's <laughs> straight out here in a wheelchair and goes on to defend Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah. Please. Oh, it was, it wow. was quite the turn of events. But, um, God, what was my point? Um, what age was she? Sorry, just Kind of a... early 70s. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it was really, she's like, and what do you think of Liam Neeson? I was like, really? Um, He's a great fella. She's like, we're all at it. I was like, no, we're not. We're all at it. <laughs> Oh, wow! I won't say what else she said. The but it, it got dark. I was like, I was like, um, I was like looking into the security cameras, being like, like widening oh, wow. my eyes, gritting my teeth, Is like, come watching? save me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like you would. There's things in your life. I suppose people are inappropriate as well. Like um, when it comes to everything else. But like, I've, mm. like if someone has an illness or someone has had a death in the family, like someone, like you should never. It's, it's very hard to kind of measure but like imagine someone is dealing with like a death in the family from about 20 years ago mm. and first and you meet someone and they're kind of like so what's that like yeah and you're kind of like oh don't make me relive this thing like yeah grief is ongoing but I'm not going to share it with you um so like there's kind of those things that happen in your life that are ongoing but like you can't be sad about it all the time yeah or you mm. can't um, be sad for other people's benefit yeah, you can't conjure yeah. it up endlessly no yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. and also it doesn't define you it's a, which is yeah. kind of what you say in your kind show of in those like moments like is that virtue signaling or are you just trying trying to take this as a moment to show off that you're a good person mm. yeah yeah and they never are yeah. <laughs> so you are actually doing a bit of work uh in the science gallery coming up yeah they've got a really cool um exhibition on at the moment called intimacy which actually deals with all of these issues in a kind of a, a wide varied sort of way um and they are doing a stand-up day the evening <laughs> on the 21st um so of february of february yeah mm. um so it's myself um caroline west who's this um incredible she's got like an ma in sexual studies and she's 
brilliant like so knowledgeable about everything sex and then there's Sean and Scott who run Sex Shopper yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah. so um, there's a couple of other people on the lineup as well but like we're doing eight minutes each of stand up um, about sex and intimacy I, I'm sure I haven't written it yet but yeah, maybe, <laughs> but yeah it, it might be it'll about, be great it might be about sex it might be good I don't know <laughs> thank brilliant. you so much for coming in and chatting to us thanks so much So what do you have for Sophie? I have <laughs> the first collection of uh, short stories by Kristen Rupenian. Oh, brilliant. Who is the author, many may remember, of the uh, 2017 viral sensation that was Cat Person. Mm-hmm. So that was a short story originally published in The New Yorker, December of 2017. And it kind of just caught fire in a way that I've never witnessed short fiction doing before. Yeah. Did you ever come across something like that? I thought this is mad. No, not in because I, I was short fiction is left of center. Yeah, it's not as mainstream, really. Well, I always because I always listen to the New Yorker mm. uh, short fiction uh, podcast. I suppose it is. It's mm. a podcast. Anyway, yeah, they read the stories. They read the stories. <laughs> they read the stories. Um, and I, yeah, the cat person definitely caught my attention, but mm. I did not expect it to to go as viral as it was, as it did. It's amazing, actually. Yeah, I think it was like a kind of a perfect storm of uh, the timing, the subject matter and this voice that was like incredibly contemporary and immediate. You know Mm. what I mean? Like Mm. it was very much folded into the kind of um, Me Too movement. Yeah. And I felt the general consensus or the kind of reception like and because it went viral like globally. It was read by millions. Yeah. And, you know, it was quite interesting as well because it was being mediated by kind of millions Mm. for us, the reader, because invariably you came across it on Twitter and you were reading somebody going, this is the most seen I've ever (laughs) felt, if it's kind of maybe a woman. Yeah. Um, Or or kind of basically what it was, was like women being like, this is what's wrong with sex Mm. and men being like, this is what's wrong with sex. It, you know what I mean? It's like recognition it's like, from both sides. Yeah, and like basically, but like I think to, to two completely different ends. Yes. Because I think like men, men felt... Men quite righteous. Yeah, and men felt like his story was kind of underscoring a kind of a sentiment they hadn't perhaps articulated that like, is there some expectation now on men to be sort of soothsayers and divining what their sexual partner wants? Yeah. Which is obviously a very kind of, uh, you know. Yeah, it's called conversation. It's a snippy <laughs> response, but like, yeah. yeah. Uh, meanwhile, women, obviously, the world over felt they'd been on this date. Yeah. Um, and that's what a person is kind of a kind of a fudged sexual encounter that kind of is a text courtship leading to a disappointing date and culminating in sex that kind of straddled a lot of different murky areas. Yeah. Where there was kind of questions of consent, pleasure, expectations all kind of drawn in yeah so Rupenian um became kind of an instant celebrity she actually went on to write another column for the New Yorker that I read um in reading this book that I thought was very interesting which was like this is what it was like when cat person went viral because I mean she was really unknown and thrust then into a kind of a, a stratospheric ascent do you know yeah, in a way yeah now indeed. she'd been putting the finishing touches on this collection which is called you know you want this which is kind of a brilliantly kind of taunting sort of title. Yeah. And um, so, you know, obviously it's landed now and um, it's short stories that all, it's it's kind of very transgressive. I felt that without the kind of context of her work, mm. 
cat person felt almost like a kind of a bit of an issues. You kind of would think, okay, Rupenian's going to be sort of a millennial issues kind of writer. Yeah. And you know you want this just kind of like blows that out of the water and you're like, okay, she is something much darker, very intriguing, much harder to pin down than that. It's very... Amazing. She's much more nebulous than what I think cat person would like lead you to believe about her. So, um, you know, you want this kind of covers... um, It kind of deals in like realism and then at other points she completely dispenses with, um, you know, trying to kind of render reality and instead goes full into kind of um, bizarre, dark, magical scenarios that are kind of more like corrupt fairy tales. Yeah. And um, she's very, uh, she's very freaking talented. Um, She sounds it. And she also, I mean, she makes points that are really... I think she just, she manages to put kind of words and scenarios onto things that are very kind of... Universal. Yeah, but even things that are quite hard to articulate. So there's one essay, for example, called The Good Guy. And she kind of excavates what forms desire. Mm. And um, her her protagonist is Ted, which is quite interesting given Ted Bundy's getting a lot of airtime at the moment. And the... He's the good guy and his fantasy that he kind of needs to help him climax. Interesting, we're talking about this in the context of this whole episode. But it's the image of his penis as a knife penetrating his partner. Jesus. And he has this kind of like hapless nice guy take on his own disturbed nature. So this yeah. is a quote he says, or sorry, um, this is a quote from the book. He knew it wasn't great, this fantasy. Yes, the scene he was imagining was ostensibly consensual, but you couldn't ignore its underlying aggressive themes. <laughs> and I suppose I finished that story like and reeling and it because it was really, really well executed. And I kind of finished it going, God, like the implication basically is that like in this porn centric age, like the good guys are just the ones refraining from acting on their wildly misogynist yeah. fantasies. You're and able to so kind of obviously exercise that's restraint. indescribably grim. Wow. But there's so much in this. It really reminded me of A.M. Holmes, who I know you love. Yeah. Really reminded me of Chuck Palahniuk. Um, yeah. She's really talented. And is it is it all about sex, relationships, desire? Is yeah, that, like, that's, it's, the, that's the kind of okay. the main. Yeah, because it's, you know, you want this. So it's all about, Amazing. I suppose, when our kind of, you know, desires go against our better natures. Oh, brilliant. And yeah, the intersection of all that. So I really recommend it. Deadly. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. I think that's out next month, by the way. Brill. Um, so this week, I've got a very... <laughs> Considering you've gone high, I've gone very low. <laughs> um, I binged on Sex Education. Have you seen? Have you watched that on Netflix? Okay, so I started watching it when I was on the treadmill in the gym, and if you'll recall, the opening scene is so graphic. What is the oh, him yeah, and the yeah, girl? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had to turn it off because, like, I was in a sea of treadmills. <laughs> well, it's just it's fully bingeable. It's, I suppose it's YA, but, you know, this is a bit of, like, there's some, a bit of something for everything. It's a very light watch. It's really enjoyable. Lots of kind of suspended reality, but I kind of got into it. So once I finished that, I was kind of looking for something equally upbeat, glossy, 
kind of non-taxing. Oh yeah, um, and I'm always in the market for that. Yeah, sometimes I'm not, and sometimes I am. But I just I wasn't ready to go into TED, for example. You know, and I don't know. recommend. Oh really? Oh, have you watched it all? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I wasn't. I didn't want another serial killer. I was just like, I just want something light. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I then I don't know where it was, but I, yeah. Anyway, I got a recommendation for the Hookup Plan, which oh. is on Netflix. Which is, um, it's basically a French, would we call it a dramedy? I suppose it's a dramedy. It's a rom-com mm. um, about uh, the main girl, Elsa. It's about three friends, but it's, it's mainly about this girl, Elsa, who um, is kind of uh, the disaster. I'm using air quotes. Like there's a lot of very cartoonish characters. Mm. <laughs> um, living in Paris, the disaster in her group uh, she's still hung up on her ex of two years, hasn't had sex with anybody else. He's about to get engaged, um, which she finds out a little later. And her, uh, one of her friends, I'm finding out that her ex is engaged, who also mm. works in her building. Um, she's so devastated uh, and upset that one of her friends sets her up, uh, basically books a male escort. Okay. To uh, pays him for two dates to kind of seduce her. But obviously, but doesn't unknowingly, tell her friend. doesn't tell her friend. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and uh, she's so Elsa is this beautiful French actress I can't remember her name uh, and it, they like she it, it's cartooned up to the hilt so there's there's lots of things that don't work about it like mm. it's like okay she's gorgeous but she's you know uh, presented as this kind of really klutzy oh, awkward yeah. you know it's all that kind of thing and you're like well you know I can't it's, it's it's so over the top it's it's barely credible um, but the guy you're just about her. to say he's really hot and you're he's just like so hot you're just objectifying I'm totally him to the objectifying hilt, him. even given I'm totally, the name that's what it is I'm totally objectifying him he uh, he he tries to seduce her this is like a comedy of errors doesn't kind of work to plan um, the friend pays for a third date Elsa has no idea so it kind of trundles along like that and it's 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 you know how that unfolds obviously giving that away at this point would be you know pointless yeah. Point, it would be pointless in watching it to tell you how it actually does unfold but there's something so compellingly watchable about it there's so so much wrong about it yeah but there's so much that's right like I bawled it at sounds her. like Entourage like I can't stop yeah. watching Entourage Is even it? though it's the worst most misogynist most shallow yeah. thing that's ever been created but yeah. like you can't look away or something I definitely had an Entourage moment but it's more it's more compelling than Entourage I think it's it's kind of more fun and upbeat yeah um but there's again, you know, there's, there there is there's there's a lot wrong with it. There's so much right. Like I found myself bawling inexplicably <laughs> about five times throughout <laughs> it at her kind of predicament. Even though her she's such a cartoonish character, it was really weird. So you. I'm thinking, okay, it obviously it's hit some kind of emotional nerve. So it must be, you know, I, and I definitely I couldn't. I was up till like half two one morning, <laughs> <laughs> just like kind of you know, whatever relaying episodes. So yeah, I definitely recommend it, though it comes with a warning. Like it'll be hard. You might find it sticky to get into at the start. Also, I did recommend it to one friend who's like, oh, my God, she was halfway through the series. She's like, it's actually unwatchable. I can't cope with the dubbing. I'm like, it's dubbing? Dubbed. No, you can. There's a subtitles option. Okay, OK. So you just put on the subtitles on the first step. Do not do dubbing. dubbing. <laughs> yes, no. absolutely. Do not. Too distracting. Anyway, it's called The Hookup Plan and it's on Netflix and I would tentatively though also enthusiastically recommend thanks so much for listening uh, if you want to get in touch with us please contact us on the spill at image.ie and please don't forget to rate and review thank you
拜。Bye